Hey, Metalheads and Headbangers, this is Doro Pesh and you're listening to the Focus on Metal show. I wish you a great time. Keep on rocking. Stay metal and I'll see you soon. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to yet another week of Focus on Metal. And uh, nope, don't have Doro on the show this week. We, uh, in fact, have a returning guest, one of her henchmen, the one, the only, the always full of stories, guitarist Tommy Bolin. And uh, for most of you, you know why we would actually have Tommy Bolin hitting the airwaves with us this week. And that is because at the end of September, beginning of October, Doro and Warlock put out the Triumph and Agony Live Anniversary Box Set. A lot of good stuff. Multiple, multiple versions of this baby out there. You can get uh, black and white marbled vinyl. There's a blue marbled vinyl. I'm still waiting for that one to come in. There's another vinyl version that you can get that includes, a, I think it's a five foot eight version, uh, like a poster board thing of uh, Doro and Warlock. Then, of course, there's the box set with the eight inch figure. Probably haven't bought that yet, then you probably should look around really quick because those are very limited and those are probably going to sell out. And then there's also another box set that has a cassette and some buttons and some patches. And then, of course, the regular CD, DVD as well. So, you know, get the music as well as watching the show. So all kinds of good stuff all centered around Triumph and Agony Live. And one thing I got to say that was interesting about this is that, you know, they've been teasing this on social media for I don't know, maybe almost a year now. And unlike a lot of bands putting out releases lately where you, you know, you might pre-order something like let's say the the Metallica 30th anniversary black album box set and that was, you know, pre-ordered god like 6 8 months ago and there's a lot of other bands like that that are doing that and it was it was really strange to me that they never really put this thing on pre-order early. It was pretty much made available you know, a couple days away from release. So kind of unusual, a little different way that most companies and most bands are releasing or doing any kind of pre-order stuff. But, uh, you know, anyways, we thought that this was a, uh, a pretty momentous and a very cool release. So Richie reached out once again to friend of the show, Tommy Bowen, to get him on here and take a bunch of time to talk about not only what he's doing right now, but also, of course, triumph and agony live and how he feels about it after all these years and what else is coming up for the band and all kinds of good stuff and it's also really sweet that we got tommy on and this is kind of outside the normal go and do press interviews for 20 minute type of thing that i know they'll be launching in the next few weeks that uh, we were kind of spoiled here to be able to spend about an hour with tommy and you know as usual regaling us with all kinds of long-winded answers with great stories in them all the stuff that you would come to expect when you talk with Tommy Bolin. So, a lot of good stuff this week on the show. So, why don't we get right into it? Turn it over to Richie and guitarist Tommy Bolin. I can set my cue, man. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good. We're uh, us Irish, Tommy. We're always on time. We're always there when the bars open. <laughs> I hear you, man. Believe me, when I hear the when I hear the fucking kick going, where am I? Here we go. <laughs> Call me a shot. Fuck everybody. <laughs> so, how you doing? Doing good, man. Just hang, hanging in there, keeping busy, just uh, waiting to get out there and support the record. Very excited. The album came out, obviously. And uh, in the meantime, I'm binge watching The Sopranos. 
I, you, you probably watched it a couple of times before, have you? Just oh yeah, I know the fuck is my heart is playing. I mean, she, that's my neighbor. That's you know, I'm from New York. It's old school, and but yeah, it's fun to watch. And I know tomorrow the Saints and Newark comes out, which is a precursor to Tony Soprano's story. So yeah, I mean, I got some time on my hands a little bit while I'm waiting for things to kick into overdrive, and you know, just doing some business stuff with endorses and all that. And I'll be radio promo for the album, and yeah, I'm coming out to big, big to do. And then as you saw, we just got inducted into the. Uh, Decibel Magazine Hall of Fame, which is really cool for the album Triumph and Agony. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so really, some really uh, cool cool stuff going on there. Then, you know, yeah, just uh, doing all the press and the stuff and just getting ready to hit the stage and take it to the next level and just, you know, make a lot of fucking noise. Yeah. But I don't go, I don't go insane by that. Of course, that happened, you know, probably years ago anyway, you know. <laughs> that's a whole other fucking conversation. <laughs> Tommy, I'm, I'm scheduled to interview, for definite, one guy from New York, and then hopefully another guy from New York after that. And I'm, I'm just curious to know, do you know either of them? Do you know J.J. French? Uh, I've met him before. I've met Eddie Oeda. Uh, uh, let's see. Eddie Oeda actually has a video on the same company where I have a, a video called Metal Primer. Eddie has a, a video on it as well. And one time it was me, him, and Rudy Sarles are doing a signing at NAMM. And now I'm just dropping names all over the joint. Hey, headbangers, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you're feeling the noise on Focus on Metal. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I met JJ once. I know people who know him. And I used to, I would see him at NAM all the time, actually. And he was friends with a guy, a friend of mine named Abby, uh, back in New York. This guy used to be in the music industry. And every time I mentioned Abby, oh, yeah, how's Abby doing? Immediately, uh, he would immediately, uh, react to that. And, you know, I've seen him around at NAM. I know people who know him, but, uh, he has, you know, I, everything I hear about him, he's a, he's a super cool dude. And he was always cool when I talked to him at NAM. So, yeah, he's a cool dude. Mm. Would you have seen Twisted Sister in the clubs? Yes, I did. I did see them right, right at Lamore's East down the block from my house. Okay. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember seeing them play there and, you know, Dee Snyder and all that stuff. Because my tech, JW, John Walsh, was Twisted, was Twisted Sister's tech back in the day. Okay. You know, so he knows all those cats, you know. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they were always And actually, I guess, dropping another further names, another horse shit. One time <laughs> I went to... Lunch with, uh, uh, I played Kramer guitars for a short while. The vice president of Kramer, a guy named Buddy Blaze, who unfortunately just passed away, actually is one of the designed the Night Swans by Vivian Campbell. Uh, it was me, him, and Mark Mendoza at lunch one time at the Kramer factory. Okay. And I remember Mark Mendoza going to, uh, the Kramer, the guy from Kramer, hey, can we get the Kramer limousine and go four by four? And then he's like, oh, no, can't do that, you know. <laughs> I want to take the Kramer limousine for a while. And, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, they, they were cool guys. I mean, I never, I never met anybody else. Eddie's a very nice guy. He's a really cool guy. He also endorses that other company I endorse called Effutone, okay. uh, which is Adam Reeves' company. They told these parts for Floyd Rhodes and stuff to up, upgrade them to the next level, which is really cool. Mm. And the other guy... That's my commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who are just wondering what the heck Tommy was just talking about, that is Effutone. And you can go to fu-tone.com. And the guys up there, they have all kinds of upgrades if you're a Floyd head and really want to upgrade your Floyd. Maybe you got a licensed one and doesn't quite have, you know, the action you want to have on it and stuff. Maybe you want a bigger, you know, block on there or something. You could just head up there and uh, see what FU Tone can offer. And they are, you know, the artists that they have and they work with. It's like a who's who of metal and a who's who also of uh, people that have been on the show as well. So good stuff up there. Uh, you know, I myself, I got to confess, I am uh, I am more partial to Kaler's. That's what my Charvel has on it. And I just really got used to that. I do have a couple of things with Floyd's on them as well. 
but I really like my Kaler more. And I should note, you know, as I'm just continuing Tommy's commercial here, that, uh, you know, they do have other stuff up there too. So if you've got like a PRS and you want to increase the sustain, they've got blocks for PRSs. They have blocks for Ibanez. So they have other parts in there as well, including trem stops for other tremolo systems. Again, if you're a Floyd head, but you want to make your Floyd more of a hot rod, then head up to fu tone.com. The other guy I'm supposed to talk to is uh, Frank Bello from Antrax. Uh, never met him before. Heard good things about him, but uh, that's cool. I mean, he's the bass player. I mean, uh, I, I don't, my only Anthrax story is tying to that. Segway in a comedy segment here is uh, I was in a band years ago called Armed Forces. We rehearsed in the uh, music building in Jamaica, and we had now my let there be metal and all that stuff. And uh, I remember Anthrax like two stores, two floors up from us. We go watch them rehearse sometimes. They'd be in there with like you know fifteen, eighteen Marshall stacks and like all these fucking guitars. Holy shit, on the lottery here! And they were you know they'd be rehearsing, so we catch some rehearsals. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I've never I've never met him, but I know I know he's friends with uh, David Elson, who I know. So I know they have like a project together too as well. So Dave's a cool guy. So, but uh, yeah, but I, I can't say I know him personally though. But he's yeah. definitely in New York, no doubt. Yeah, was there was was there a close knit community with musicians in New York, like something that you wouldn't really see in L.A.? Um, of the people jumping out of the sides with knives to stab you, no. Uh, let me see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they use a different quality bat when they hit you. No. I'm <laughs> Yeah, you can see I've been locked up too long. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, there's, there's definitely some camaraderie. I mean, I'm still tight with, uh, you know, like my, my, my guitar teacher, Vinny Mangaliso, and uh, Mark Newman. They're still in the community active back there. And, you know, Vinny has like a big car service and brings all the amplifies everybody. He knows everybody. And I would network a lot of people through him sometimes for stuff. But there's, a, there's a, I guess, a camaraderie to a point. I mean, people are, you know, I got along with everybody. I mean, I like to always say here about me, not from me. I mean, I actually... Consider myself have a good reputation. Now, of course, if I said this, you'll get hate mail and fuck that guy. And I'm sure he'll say <laughs> what. But, but I'd say, you know, for the people I put in my circle, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, the the music industry in itself is pretty has a pretty good camaraderie once you, you know, establish, you know, the people are human and stuff and you get along with them. But there's always, there's always a couple of jokes in the deck. There's some names I could name, but I'll save that for my book. <laughs> you know, there's some people I definitely guarantee you need to be thrown under the bus. And before I'd even throw them, someone else would have thrown them under the bus. And there's probably their name already written under the bus because they're that fucked up. <laughs> but I, I will digress and take the Fifth Amendment as advice of counsel to vote my right to the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> hmm. Tommy, when when did you move to LA? LA, holy Christ Almighty. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Well, I came out here in. The '89 or '90. I mean, I still had my place back in New York. My parents were still alive back then. But after I stopped playing with Warlock, I had a band called Freight Train Jane with the singer from Black and Blue, Jamie St. James. Yeah. And we had a lot of great shit going. We had an album out in Japan on Toshiba MI, Alpha Brunette, and we had Tom Wormus hit the producer, Barbara Streisand's manager, Motley's attorney, just that huge Motley deal. Asked the best unsigned band in the nation to play the Concrete Forum, and you know, and we, you know, fucking had a whole lot of we didn't bag the fan mail. That made me come out to Los Angeles when I actually met uh, 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 Jamie. I actually, actually, I was out here to jam with Megadeth, believe it or not. And uh, unfortunately, uh, and I don't hold this against them, he didn't show up. <laughs> you know, they were going through a lot then because the auditions were set up. I remember calling uh, Dave Mustaine at that Christmas after this is when uh, right after we had done the tour with them. And Dave's a real cool guy. I always got along with him. 
And I remember I was talking to him, and he was telling me what was going on in his life. And I said, but Dave, why don't we jam? And he goes, he goes, and I never forget, he goes, you mean you want to audition, Tommy? I go, yeah, that's exactly what he said. I go, yeah, let's jam, dude. And uh, then, I, then I got talking to David Elson, and then uh, it was Andy Summers from now the agency group. He, he coordinated all that. I came out here, flew here, learned the song, came out like in three days, went and knocked on the rehearsal where they were supposed to be, and there was nobody there. <laughs> gone. I'm like, okay, what do I go? And I, I knew they were going through a lot of shit. I'm glad they got all their shit together now, as you know, and they've written in their books and all that. And I said, I, I've since seen Dave and asked him about this. He doesn't really remember it. But he's always nice and cool to me, so I don't have any ill will. And, and Elson's always been cool to me. So, you know, I got, you know, this, this happens, but, you know, I was like, shit. So now I'm in the middle of Los Angeles, and I'm like, what the fuck? But I remembered a friend of mine, uh, the guitar kid Gavin Menzies, who I had met through Bob Daisley from Ozzy, and now I'm just throwing names all out the fucking window here. It's just like fucking, you know, <laughs> but, but, I knew Bob, I, I met Bob, you know, actually years ago, uh, found, you know, that's another story in itself, but he knew Gavin and Gavin, I knew, knew Jamie because, uh, and I knew Jamie had worked with Gene Simmons. So my idea was to call Jamie and get a tape to Gene Simmons. That's what I wanted to do because Gene was on Polygram and so was Warlock and Doro, uh -huh. you know? And, uh, next thing I know, the exact moment, uh, Gavin was calling, uh, cause Gavin was a tech like, you know, Prince, Howard Lease, and, uh, and, uh, even Steve Stevens. So he was like, you know, tech to everybody. He knew, He's a really cool guy. He's since gone now, but he uh, was calling Jamie. At the exact moment he was calling Jamie, he goes, he goes, he was gonna say my name, and Jamie goes, hey, I got the guitar player. And Jamie goes, hey, I'm, I'm actually trying to find guitar players now. And then he goes, wait, I got the kid for you. Then we met. Two weeks later, I moved to Los Angeles, and we started Freight Train Jane, and the rest is the extended long answer I just gave you. Mm. <laughs> um, did you feel, Tommy, that you had to move to LA to make it? Uh, I felt Los Angeles at that time compared to New York, yes, had a lot more opportunities for me. Compared okay. to New York, I, for me personally, they, they opened up quick. I mean, I was trying to do some stuff in New York on some, uh, with my own project, and I was, you know, knocking on doors, making phone calls and all that stuff, and I had, you know, a demo of my own stuff. And I had some, you know, good people in my corner and stuff, but this popped into my lap out of nowhere. I mean, like I said, I ran out there to see Megadeth, you know, and uh, then next thing I know, you know, meeting Jamie, then the chemistry and the songs just came together. So I just felt at that point, Los Angeles had, you know, the scene was still on in Los Angeles before, you know, grunge killed metal dead pretty much. Well, I do like some grunge music, you know, to be honest. I like, I like you know, I gave that's good. It's got feeling got, and drive. I don't even give it a fucking name at this point, more or less. Mm. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I felt Los Angeles had a little more off to offer to, for me personally, you know, at that given moment. I mean, I could have kept, you know, hammering in New York. I'm sure I would have you know, kick somebody's door in somewhere because it's just, you know, and there's only two types of people. We have the dead and the quick. If you think about it too long, someone else has done it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, like I say, if you shut the door, I go look for the window. You shut the window, okay, then you, you shut the window, then I fucking, you know, I back my car through your wall. Mm. You know? <laughs> I'm coming in. You know? some, some... I'm coming to dinner, set a table, to get like John Belushi <laughs> to see that? See that? You know, they make some long distance phone calls, invite some friends over. I'm staying for a while. I'm going to fucking kill me. You know? but, but sometimes, Tommy, you, you know, where you are, you're, you're like a, a bigger fish there. And then when you move to like LA, like it's full of shit hawk guitar players out there. You can oh, get, yeah, you can get lost. A, yeah, there was definitely a lot of people. I mean, obviously, you know, I had the warlock name fresh in my on, on my on my back, which is which I wear like you know I was very proud of, of course. And yeah. Jamie, of course, had black and blue four albums on Geffen, and you know he worked with the Who's Who. So we had an edge above a lot of stuff, you know, which got us you know right to the front of a lot of lines that. You know, I was just coming out here with you know just starting, you know, like out of my mom's basement. It would have been a lot harder. 
no doubt, you know. So I had that edge to work with. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's like anything. Sometimes, you know, I, my, I have my own band, NYC, you know, that I front and sing for, which has been a little dormant right now because I've been so busy doing stuff with Doro and also a few years before this, as I think the last time I spoke to you, I was playing with Richard Ramon. I did his album in Thailand and his tour and all that. So, mm-hmm. But when I would tour with NYC, I'd play like, you know, other places across the nation and, you know, you know, we get a great reaction. All the bands are going, hey, I want to play Los Angeles. And you hook me up and you introduce me. I go, no, oh, dude, you don't want to play Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so swamped and nobody cared as much for the community. The community, I got friends of mine who are promoters out here trying to do like, you know, just keep the music scene alive. And Los Angeles is just so dead right now for the music industry. You know, as far as clubs and support and places staying open, I hate to, hate to say it. You know, I mean, I mean I'm all for where you can plant the flag, but a lot of the local clubs where bands used to play are gone. You know, like FM Station, uh, other places, you know, just gone. There's no place to really go and get, I mean, have the whiskey, which is still there, but it's just, there's a lot of, it, the industry, well, you know, but it's changed a lot, you know? Yeah. It's changed a lot. No no doubt about it. Not only the musical taste, but just the ability to go tour and do this. And, you know, if you want to, you know, grab yourself a conversion man in a trailer and just go cross country, you know, gas is still, gas is three times higher. But the, the, the fee you'll get is, is just the same price. So eventually, once you start crunching the numbers, you come back in the red. But, yeah. you know, it depends. I mean, it's like they say in the movie Wall Street, pisses the big dog in the tall weeds. You got to lose money to make money, hmm. you know? And then if you go out there with no edge or no name or no selling point, I mean, I'm lucky I have some endorsers who, you know, they put their logos on my tour shirts. And these are people I proudly, it's like NASCAR. I'm very much a NASCAR mentality, you know, when I would go out there and tour. Yeah, you know, I was always working. I mean, Morley was setting up guitar clinics along my tour route. You know, this is all part of the whole shtick, and I'm I'm lucky to have stuff like that. But I, I mean, now, like you said, there's a, a sea of guitar players, a sea of sea of musicians, and now everything's on the internet in five minutes. So it's saturated. It's a very saturated field right now, which is you know both good and bad. You know what I'm saying? And then of course now everybody's just getting music free. What did Jeff Tate say once? Like 85 percent of the revenue stream that bands got is gone. Yeah, you know, and some interview I read him, and he's and it's pretty much on point. He said, "What do you say, like EMI Records? Oh, I had three thousand employees, and now it's got like eighty-five or seventy or whatever he was saying." And he was on point, you know. And it's pretty much the whole thing has changed. I mean, you know, Doro is a, like I said when I first joined Warlock, it was a moving train, as I said, and now I jump right back on another moving train doing stuff with her. So you know, it's a uh, he's a he's a you know what's that Bill and Ted? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K, you know. <laughs> Fucking, uh, <laughs> It's, it's a fucking crazy one, you know. Yeah. People would ask me guitarists, hey, can you buy some music? I go, I go, no, study law, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I would seriously, I would say, I would say to the uh, the people in my class, I go, it's a business, and make sure you treat it as a business and learn it as a business. You know, as much as you know, you want to clear your friends out a good time. There's nothing wrong, like you know, you've seen me play live. I love to go out of my fucking mind, have a good time. You know, but there's so much, so many moving parts that lead up to that moment. You know, it's a lot, you know, even at any level, you know, the bigger the the headaches. Tommy, I want to talk about the business for a few minutes, because when I spoke to you a couple of years ago, and we got into depth Mm -hmm. about Triumph and Agony and the way it all Mm -hmm. ended with the band. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you feel like saying at the, it must have crossed your mind after all that went down saying, fuck it, I'll do something else in my life. Um, To be dead honest, that was never... Failure was not an option, as Apollo 13 would say. I'm, a movie, I'm big on movie quotes. Uh, I, I'm still so gung-ho. I still am, I suppose, I hope, I think. Um, I, it never crossed my line to stop, because it's just, I've been playing guitar since I was 11 and a half, and, you know, everything's been music. You know, as you know, I've told you, I've never done a drug in my life. 
like to have a good drink every now and then, but never on stage or anything like that. No DUIs, none of that horse shit. You know, and, and anybody who's had those problems and you sort them out, Godspeed, you know? Mm. But um, me personally, it's always been about music. Always. The guitar has been part of me since 11 and a half, turning 12. And I took lessons for two and a half years and became a teacher at the very music school in Jackson Heights, Larry Downs Music Studio. So I've been absorbed by guitar for so long. It's like, you know, it's almost so synonymous to who I am and what I do. So I never, I mean, granted, everybody has the moments of being discouraged. Oh, fuck this, fuck that. You know, I mean, you can have that. But I never thought of a special life for Warlock. You know, I knew there was there was more things to do. And, you know, I had other opportunities of things to do. And, you know, my phone was ringing with other opportunities. I mean, I, you know, I, I did audition for other bands even then, which I was, you know, too bad. I, was, I got called out for Billy Squire, which I never told nobody that. But I was too heavy. You know, he didn't show up. The thing, but they said, wow, you're a great kid, but you're just too heavy. And then some other bands, and I was offered somebody offered me the Samantha Fox gig. You know, the music director. They were just ready to hire me over the phone. I never told this story. But, you know, <laughs> so my phone was ringing. You know, yeah. the phone was ringing, but, but I didn't think of going from the metal queen to suddenly, you know, Samantha Fox would be a good segue for my. I mean, you know, she does whatever she does. It's fine. But you know, I remember the guy was ready to give me the gig over the phone. But we know who you are. We know you can play. I'm like, hey, I appreciate that. But you know, and then suddenly I started doing my own stuff. But yeah, I never thought of um, never thought of throwing in the towel. I mean, you know, as years go on, you know, shit happens and game of life kicks in and, you know, and God forbid you try to have a personal life or feel good about things, you know, but um, I never thought of, uh, never said that. I mean, if I had won the lottery, maybe I bought an island I would have split, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just that. I might, have bought, I might have bought like an island in the South Seas and go, what happened to that guy? I don't know, he's just cashing checks now, you know. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just that I've spoken to enough musicians at this stage I'm doing doing the show nearly 10 years and I've read enough books that you know they they all get into it for the the purity of it that they love the music and then the Mm -hmm. business then the business comes into it sure and and it a lot of them what they what they've what they did and I've, I've asked them I'm like they all give out about the contracts they signed and, and I'd often say to them, did you not look at it? And they were like, no, we heard other people to do with it. And and then you have right. people over the years like JJ French, for example, he's mm-hmm. very business savvy about the, yeah. about the, you know, the business of music. And over mm-hmm. time, a lot of them have, have gone full circle on it that they really know the ins and outs of it. Now, a lot of them are managing bands now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, very did, true. Did you educate yourself over oh, the years. absolutely! Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I, I dove right in. I always felt my when I started my own band NYC. I was like the businessman, the business leader, and I always say, you know, lead, follow, get the fuck out of the way. You know, I go if you can do it better than me, I don't do it. You know, but I would always do the business, and I was like the the general, and my 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 best friend who was in the band with me, Chad. He was like the fucking greatest lieutenant colonel. I mean, I we we plan stuff and recon stuff, and he'd be great for reconning stuff and all this, and I I'd be trying to spearhead the mission. So it was great to have a good support team below me. And he was like, you know, you know, he spilled enough blood in the mud with me just as much as anybody, you know? Mm. So it really comes down. But as far as learning the ins and outs, well, I won't claim to certainly know it all. I mean, I do have lawyers I use and I am pretty contract savvy with stuff. You know, I have endorsement contracts with companies that I endorse. So you learn a lot. I mean, there is a baptism by fire. I mean, Warlock was my first, I mean, I had to be on armed forces. And then of course, Warlock was, you know, that put me on the map when, when, you know, Doro, I joined, I started working with Doro and, and that stuff, of course. And then, but yeah, you learn as you go and you find out some people you realize have no values or scruples, you know, as, you, as you, you start doing business with other people and you realize that, you know, and, and you always keep a sharp eye out and you always, you know, you try to, you know, like they said in coffee, never underestimate the other guy's greed. Not saying that I'm greedy, I'm greedy for success, but with positive moving forward, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, as anybody has a, you know, a, you know, 
like with Gordon Gecko, greed for life, greed for this, you know, and people go to Wall Street, but all in positive way. I never, I never gained my ground by putting a knife in anybody's back, but in, in this industry, you know, some people, you know, they walk, they walk, you know, two fifty with two knives, you know, ready to stab you in a moment, mm. sideways either way. So you do learn about it. And of course, I've heard the horror stories of so many people, bad contracts and, you know, I mean, how Doral's name was stolen. Warlock's yeah. name got stolen. Yeah. So, I mean, case in point. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm adjacent to that fact. That's, a, that's, that's fucking insane that someone could do that. But, you know, depending on the wrong lawyer, the wrong place, it's just, you know, you got, I always, like I said before, when I do the clinics, I say it is the business. Learn the business. Learn as much as you can about it, you know. And, uh, you know, and some of it you, get, you learn by getting your hands literally wet and dirty. Other ones, you, you know, you read books, you read things on contracts, and then you read contracts and, you know, and then, of course, you know, I had some really, you know, intelligent people around me, like these lawyers I know and other managed people. And, you know, the, the stuff they're willing to share you, at, at the age where I learned it all, you know, it stays with you, you know. I'm very big on logic and things making sense. You know, whether it's, you know, fucking business, personal relationships, of course, you know, getting that to transpire to all facets of your life, logic, good luck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, good luck. Yeah. So, so Try talk, dating in Los Angeles. Forget about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so over the years, you know, Dora was going out with with the band, and she. Sure. W- one of the things I, I want to say about Dora, and I've I've met her, and mm. interviewed her in person, and she was fantastic. The band that she has now, Tommy, uh, most of them have been in the band a long time. She's incredibly yeah, long. Nine years. Yeah. I think Luca and Boss are like eight or nine years each. And then Nick is 31 years and Johnny's like 20-something. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Johnny's a great guy. I interviewed him as well. Oh, he's, yeah, I love Johnny. Johnny, well, he's still, he's East Coast, forget about it. He's living in Germany, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he is now. Yeah, yeah, but he's still, you know, U.S. citizen. He's from Philly originally, so yeah. I go by the roots. I yeah. mean, I, uh, current address is just, you know, current address. Yeah, but, but over the years when Doro was going out with, with the band, mm-hmm. um, did, you, did it ever cross your mind, I, I wish she'd call me? I'd love to get up on stage with her again. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I, I always, I mean, I always stayed in uh, in touch with Dora indirectly. I mean, it was a very, it was a phone call she made, which is, I still have on my answer machine, as I've said and recently used, but she called me for the 30th anniversary back in 2017. Yeah. You know, but before that, two years before that, she was playing in Los Angeles, and I jumped up at the Whiskey to play with her, and we played some songs, and she played in Anaheim, I jumped up the next leg of the tour for a couple of songs. So that chemistry was all there, and we were playing these songs. This is the first time I've been on stage for years, you know, for many, many years. And then, uh, you know, then she called. Uh, yeah, I, I, I obviously, yeah, I mean, it was great if she had called sooner, I suppose, hypothetically. But, you know, you know, sometimes things just lay out the way they do. But when she called me for this, and we came back, and, you know, she's got a great band, great guys. It was like coming home, as I say, you know. Mm. And it was just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting up there, it's, it, a lot of emotions. I mean, you know, I think, I think, wow, what, what could we have done in all the years I wasn't there? You know, because you know, I came back. We did. We started playing some shows. Did some more shows. And then we, we tried for ninety live. There you go. Then I played on Forever Warriors. I played some of the guitars on All for Metal. Uh, you know, and Turn It Up. Even me singing at the end of that song. And then if I can't have you, no one will. I wrote that song with her and had the guy from Amana Moth, you know, uh, uh, singing on. It, you know. Yeah. So, but you know, so in, in like, you know, the guys in the band are all great. I get along with all of them. They're very cool. And, you know, obviously, you know, talent speaks for itself, no doubt. And uh, so it was really cool. But, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess, yeah, it would have been great if I started working with it sooner. But it's, it's hard to say, you know. I mean, it's just a, a weird thing. The only, the closest thing I came back to in almost playing with, I, I just recently told this story. Um, when she was in Los Angeles, this was like 1990 or something, I guess. Uh, she was doing that album with Gene Simmons. Yeah. And, uh, 
suddenly, you know, Jamie, of course, you know, from Black and Blue, James St. James, you know, he knew Gene very well. You know, Gene produces two records and they were personal friends. Uh, Gene, uh, we had just started Freight Train Jam. I just moved to Los Angeles. We were, you know, all this shit going like I was saying before. And suddenly, uh, I walk in, I, I'm at Jamie's house and I'm ready to go to rehearsal. He goes, hey, there's a messenger machine. I need you to hear this. I go, what? It's Gene Simmons, literally calling Jamie to say something. And so I hear the tape playing and there's, uh, you know, some chatter on the, um, on the, uh, the phone to Jamie from Gene personally. And then he goes, then, and I swear to God, my mother, suddenly, and I'll paraphrase this, Gene says to Jamie, he goes, hey, there's a song on this album I'm working with Dorothy, really good for your boy Tommy to play on. And then he goes, give, give me, get, get back to me. And I was like, whoa. You know, I mean, I love Kiss. I mean, I started playing guitar because of Gene Simmons and all that and did the fake Kiss show with the makeup and the hair and all that shit, you know? <laughs> and I was like, and, and I'm like, I'm thinking, fuck, you know, I mean, but, but I, I don't think I ever properly responded because I was so busy with freight train game with so much stuff going on that I didn't take up on the offer or even, or even I think, you know, uh, now, you know, didn't properly reply because the funny part was Tommy Thayer, you know, who now is with Kiss and was with Black and Blue, he would be, you know, I'd be seeing him in some of our freight train jam rehearsals every now and then, you know, I, I'd run into him and he was working on that Kiss record with, with, uh, uh, with Gene and, and he would say, yeah, Doro always talks highly about you and says cool shit about you. So I was getting all this positive feedback, you know, Doro saying this. And I'm like, you know, which I, which I would anticipate anyway. And then even Pat Reagan, who did my freight train game, I'm doing that album, engineering. So, yeah, in hindsight, I wish, fuck, I went back there and shredded that solo and God knows what could have came from it. And could have reignited the chemistry with me and Doro possibly or would have yeah. been great to work with Gene. I mean, I met Gene a bunch of times and played pool with him one night at some club many years ago. And, um, you know, so um, I guess I answered your story uh, really long-winded there. <laughs> Tommy, do, do you have any of the guitars still that you use to record Triumph and Agony? That's a good question. I haven't been asked that. Yes, I actually have uh, a guitar from the, uh, the, um, the Warlock All We Are video. That was a Jackson that my mother had bought me many years ago. And that got lost twice in the sands of time. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Kirk, wound up, but he's now a great friend of mine. And uh, he uh, he returned it to me. The neck, unfortunately, was the jack. That's 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 gone forever. But I have the body, which then back then ESP had made me a replica neck for it. Okay. But I have that guitar. Then the other guitar was a blue Jackson, which Daryl actually bought me, which I still have the build card, and that that got lost in the sands of time somewhere. But uh, yeah. So as far as the Triumph and Agony guitars, that's the. Uh, that, I have the all we are guitar, I guess, and which I may very well break out and bring again, but put a different neck on it. Uh, I, I was going to ask you, you, you never brought that on the road for those shows, did you? Oh, yes, I did. Uh-huh, absolutely. The guitars I just mentioned to you, yeah. for Doro, for, yeah. for Warlock, my touring, yes. There are pictures of me with my Blue Jackson. There are pictures of me with the all we are guitar. There's another one. There's very one rare picture of a Blue Snakes guitar from ESP. And then there's uh, a couple of custom ESPs I had back then and a couple of customized Kramers. I played then. Those are all, uh, those are all dust now, I guess. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, t- tell, tell me about the first rehearsal you did with the band for, for these shows now, the, the 30th anniversary shows. Where did you do them? That was in Germany. That was in Germany. I, I, uh, when Dorwood called me, uh, she uh, she called me and uh, you know and we started talking about the idea. Then it actually started coming together, you know. And I had met the band before, of course, because I said I booked off the stage them a few times. So I knew Boss and Luca and Johnny, and you know, of course, I met them before. And 
They were very cool, as I said. Nick, you know, Nick's a great guy as well, the bassist. So when I showed up, they kind of knew me already a little bit, which is cool. And I was out in Germany in like this club uh, up in Bochum, I think. We were rehearsing there. So we had everything set up, the full background. It was, uh, it was surreal to start playing the songs again, you know. And then, I mean, I had rehearsed the songs. I knew the songs Dora wanted me to learn. I learned some extra songs. As, you know, we, we added like, you know, True Steel, Fight for Rock, which are songs I played back in the day with Doro as well. Yeah. You know? And, you know, pretty much I can, you know, if I hear it, I can play. I can figure out anything. And no problem. But uh, it was, uh, it was wild, man. I got to say, it was a real big rush of emotions from just so happy. And then, then same thing, just thinking, wow, all the time that's gone by. And it seems like just yesterday to me, you know? And my energy and me and Doro, we talked the same exact as we did, you know? So that, that camaraderie, that friendship, like, you know, like when I first joined, Warlock, you know, Dora was quoted in Metal Hammer and was also quoted in Circus. This is when she first met me. She said, uh, I sing better and I play better because of Tommy Boland. He is somebody I really need right now. That's pretty much near a quote. And I was like, so we hit the energy because Dora was all about the vibe and the energy. You know, yeah. she's very, and, that, and she's a very true spirit to the music she does and all that. And as, as, I, as I myself, you know, I, I work myself into a full ladder and go nuts. And she tapped into my energy because I was tapping into hers, as I always say, magnetizing off of it. So when we met again, I hadn't seen her in all the, in, in, you know, I, I had been, been two years since I'd seen her just in Los Angeles, you know, and, uh, but for this, I knew I was showing up something really big and it was, uh, it was surreal, man. It was, it was, I guess, you know, a, a long winded answer, but you know, great feeling, you know, just, uh, it definitely, it hit every emotion, every, every way you can imagine hmm. happiness to you name it, man. It was just, um, it was just uh, surreal for me personally. Tommy, horror band note, did they play the songs a little bit differently than what you'd used to playing them. In some parts, there is a little bit of a difference, yes. But but these are songs that she's played for many years, even without me, which have evolved in different directions. Yeah, so that's fine. But you know, I mean, I know exactly, you know, how it's me playing the song <laughs> on the record. So you know, but you know, they might use different versions of the chorus. But I mean, they're not playing something so far off. But you know, there are, there are slight little differences that the fans may or may not pick up, or the purists might. You know, listen, but nothing to the point where it, you know, pulls the song apart, like, you know, like, you know, in a different direction. But, you know, I, I noticed the differences, you know, like, like Metal Tango's lost faster, but that's okay. It's live, you know, and, and the All We Are is a little different here and there. But, you know, for the most part, nothing. These are songs that have naturally grown in her set anyway. So I can't say I've monitored, you know, anything from square one since I left to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What about. I got to play my solos. I mean, when we do Triumph and Agnes, I'm playing the Triumph and Agony solos. So I play them like the record because, you know, then my, you know, I, I pretty much emulate right to that, you know, which, you know, is just the, the main vibe right there. Yeah. When, before you did the, 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 uh, the rehearsal, um, I assumed you'd listen back to the whole record. And I want to know sure. how long it had been since you'd done that. Wow. Since I listened to that record? The whole thing. Yeah. Wow. It'd been a long time, but not, but see, I, 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 but all of it coming back to me, I, I mean, I could sit here and sing those songs, you know, riff by riff, top to bottom. They, they never went away. You know, it's kind of, if, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But it's been a long time, I suppose, you know, I mean, okay, I, I did listen to it a little bit for 2015 when I did, when I jumped out the player with it, we did Metal Tango and East East West, so I did pop those in to listen to. But as far as like, you know, going to listen to the other stuff, I used to like Burn the Witches and all that and the other stuff I needed to know for live, you know, it been some, it been quite some time. I, I couldn't even say the exact year, but the songs were not that distant from my mind where I didn't have muscle memory on the songs. 
because we rehearsed, you know, we rehearsed those songs so much they built into my hands, I think. <laughs> mm. Tommy, did you have any, when you were listening to it and you were mm-hmm. absorbing the record, did you have any second thoughts about, mm, I wish I could have done that a bit differently? Oh, try it agony wise? Yeah. Honestly, uh, no, honestly, no. I, 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 I like every pick scratch guitar chord I did. That that's I I'm very happy with what I did on Triumph and Agony and the album. You know, has stood the test of time. And and it was, I mean, the fans have all you know been very receptive, and loving what we did on it. I get those messages and emails and texts. You know, I mean, uh, Facebook messages and such. But uh, nothing I heard back that I said, oh, I wish I could have played that riff different. I mean, I think everything fit the song. I played for the song. I mean, I could sit there and you know shred arpeggios and just you know. Sit down and you know play. I mean, I, I tend to play fast anyway. If you've seen me play, but uh, I gave the song exactly what they need. I remember the day after I did the Kiss of Death solo, Dora called me up in my apartment when I was living in Manhattan, and she commented how much she loved that solo. You know, and she just was going on and on about it. And then she would you know get very vocal and excited about the way I was playing in the studio. It was all going back to Triumph and Agony, you know. So I was definitely in the zone, and uh, I think I think the songs you know just really uh, you know. I, I, I'm happy. I would have to say overall, yeah, I'm definitely happy with uh, everything I did on it. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, did, do I wouldn't you think, change anything on that Triumph and Agony album? Do you think, Tommy, you're a much different guitar player now than you were back then? Um, hmm, different. Like, what, 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 what? Let me rephrase that. Um, you're more mature. You you absorb more different styles of music and brought it into your playing. Um, well, I might be more crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I might be more out of my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I mean, it's funny. I think people, you know, uh, uh, look at me on stage and they go, "You're moving now more than you ever did." I, go, I don't know. Dude. I don't just move. I because once the music gets in me and my eyes roll back in my head, it's like, you know, like you know, fucking working. I just the, the whole Superman just going fucking crazy. You know? I even Mark White who saw us on stage at the. uh uh, the, the monster rock who's like, I don't know how you didn't kill Doral the way you move around your guitar. He goes, I ran to Mark and he, I was sitting there. And I, I, I told him before the show, you know, the photographer Mark Weiss had, yeah. Hey, you maybe take some pictures. Oh yeah, sure. He knew who I was. And he was just, you know, he's a very nice guy. And then, and there's even video of this one time. I was talking online with Doral, David Elston and some big zoom chat we did to celebrate his book, the decade that rock. And, but this was going back to the boat. He took my pictures and then I ran to him the next day and I saw him and he looked at me, he goes, he goes, what the fuck was that? He goes, holy shit. He's talking to his girl. And he goes, look at this guy. He looks normal here now, but this guy's out of his fucking mind on stage. He goes, holy shit. <laughs> and he's on video telling the story. He goes, what the fuck? He goes, what the hell? I go, I don't know. He goes, holy shit. Like, how did you not kill her? He goes, I'm swinging the guitar. I'm going nuts. But I'm very cognizant of where Doral is at all times. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, so it was just like, you know, people who've met me, I, you know, I'm like, you know, I got the Clark Kent thing going off stage. And I'm already you know, the Caffeinated New Yorker. But once I get the music, you know, it, it just fucking takes off, I suppose, you know. But as far as different guitar player, I mean, I, well, I definitely listen to more styles. I definitely, you know, I've written more songs. I've done more stuff. I've got, you know, some other years under my belt. So you naturally evolve in that way. But I'd say I'm still probably just as insane, I suppose. So I guess, um, you know, and so far, you know, I mean, what I've been, you know, the reviews I've been getting have been, have been positive. So I guess uh, there might be some more, more controlled insanity, maybe. <laughs> Tommy, you know, insanity. Now remember, insanity applied to positive results is genius. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, did, did it? Did it? Did it have to be the Sweden rock show that got filmed? Uh, well, that got filmed. That just happened to be getting filmed, and then uh, 
and you know, Doral, you know, saw the footage and started uh, looking through it, and then that was, um, you know, I know, I'm not sure if they filmed anything in Norway. They might have filmed something in Spain. They met, you know, a lot of times, you know, we played a lot of stuff that year. We played, you know, we played Wacken, we played, uh, we played Bloodstock, we played Landis Day Rock in Spain, we played oh, Summerfest, and there's always some camera going somewhere. Yeah. But it's, you know, but as Dora was going through the stuff, because obviously, you know, she's got a great eye for this stuff, to say the least, and she started going uh, through it. She, I guess, you know, focused a lot on that. For the Sweet Rock. And that happened to be the first show back. Which is, and remember, some of those songs we never played live. Which one? Played which? Make Time for Love or Kiss of Death. Oh, you never played them? Okay. That was never played in the back in the day when I was in Warlock. Those songs were never in the set. They were never, they were never there. And you know, for some reason, they just didn't make, they didn't make it in. So then, Three Minute Warning was only played, I think, maybe on the Megadeth Sanctuary tour. And then, you know, Cold Cold World was we always always open with Cold Cold World. And then we go into I Rule the Ruins and Earth Shaker Rock. That's why whenever you see her on my shoulders, that's the end of Earth Shaker Rock because that was always the third song in the set. Okay. You know. Now, Tommy, when when you listen back to the to, to what was recorded, um, mm-hmm. did you have to go in and fix any of it yourself? Um, well, this, uh, well, this, I think there was like you know just uh, like uh, some mic bleed on a couple of things, yeah, something like that. So there was a little bit of uh, you know patchwork here, but nothing nothing extravagant, you know. Okay, and what are your memories of the Sweden rock show? Is there anything that stands out on that day that you remember? Uh, well, it was it was definitely getting ready to go on the show. You know, before the show, I remember sitting there taking a shower and getting ready. And you know, I went through a whole lot of emotion. I never said this before. I mean, it was really almost like a very intense because you know, you know, it was just really intense feeling. You know, a lot of emotions. And I knew this was an important show, and you know, and we had been rehearsed. I knew we sounded good and all that stuff. You know, but um, it was definitely. I remember sitting there going through a whole realm of emotions, you know, from sadness to happiness to just, you know, just, it overwhelms you. Because yeah. I play with a lot of passion. Passion rules my life, whether it be personal or business or, you know, or, or, or relationships, which is both my undoing and my, and my, uh, and, and who I am, you know. If I could be more, probably if I'd been, I'm not talking in, in, with war, but if I'd been more of a son of a bitch, I probably wouldn't have had half the headaches I have in personal life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for the, back in the pizza. So I, I digress. I, I go back to the wall, I think. So it was uh, very surreal getting there. And then, you know, I'm, you know, I, and the weird part, I just told this story as well, you know, what you don't see is right before we went on stage, you know, I had this pedal board. My pedal board runs on, you know, um, uh, 120, uh, on 120 and everything in Europe is, you know, 110, everything in Europe is 220. Yeah. And we had this little adapter thing the size of a fucking half a shoebox to convert my power to. I remember the sound man came over and looked at it. I was studying up and goes, dude, I wouldn't plug a hair dryer into that thing. That thing's garbage. I go, what? And I plug it in and sure enough, nothing's working. And the crowd's coming in and I'm like, holy shit. So I'm like, fuck, I built my pedal, but I know what it does. I know it works. Because I know every fucking thing in there hmm. that I designed, I put, you know, I mean, it's my race car. I know what's under the hood. I know what, I know every bolt in that motherfucker. Yeah. So the next thing I know, it ain't working. And showtime's coming. I'll plug into a blender and a toaster oven. I'll make anything work. I don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? You know? So, of course, I back up for everything. I'm ready for everything to break in half and just fucking splinter apart. So, the Sweet Rock's a very tall stage, very high up. And all my stuff was in my friggin', all my backup stuff was in the, was in the dressing room, which is basically over in Houston, all the way across the other side, you know? And I'm like, holy shit. So I go running like the devil to get all my stuff, come back. I start turning the board up, start wiring it. I put different adapters and all the shit. And then even the, the tech, the stage check, the main tech, the stage check goes, hey, good recovery, kid. And I go, fuck. So I suddenly 
put it back together, and it worked. And all I did really was just reverse the plug and not realize it. It all worked. And then, as, they, as my, old, my old tech used to say, walk away. It's working. Walk away. Don't touch nothing. <laughs> but, but meanwhile, my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm like, fucking A, and I, and I hate when shit breaks. That's my pet peeve. And luckily, knock on wood, doesn't say it. But of course, now that I've said that, you catch me next time, I'll probably be on fire on my side of the stage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we had a little campfire. We were roasting marshmallows for my motherfucking pedal board, you know? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, stop by Tommy's end of the state and s'mores, you know? Pretty much. Be a campfire, you know? So hopefully I didn't just jinx myself, but it worked. And it, everything, I'm like, ah, thank God, you know? Mm. And, uh, and then, of course, we sussed it out, and we got a later, we got a better adapter, which if you look at Grass Pop, there's this giant orange car, yellow car batting in front of me. And we tested it all, and it turned out my gear was fine, 100%. Nothing wrong with my gear. It was the converter. So then I took it even further. I took apart my whole pedal board and converted the whole thing to 110, 220 with different adapters, different DC elements. And now my pedal board just changed the plug on the end, and it works on anything. And that's when my, my tour manager, I told him I had this problem. I told my fixie, he goes, I love you, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> now he doesn't got to bring the car battery. doesn't got to worry about my voltage. That's one less thing on his, you know, diatribe of doom he's got to deal with, you know? Mm. Tommy. So that was my Sweden rock story. And of course, you're in the crowd seeing all we are. All people seeing, you know, Fiorama, that was just outstanding. Of course, you know, it brought back so many memories. You know, there's door to my, you know, to my right again. And, you know. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you can if you can say what a lottery ticket feels like for a split second, there it is. You know. Mm. Tell me about playing. In, a great feeling. Tommy, tell me about playing German in Germany with Doro. There must be nuts in there for her. Oh yeah, I mean, she's you know, I mean, she's you know, you know, the metal queen, iconic. You know, and it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's, it's outstanding. I mean, they you know, shit, she's royalty there. She's royalty all over the place. Yeah. So. The, the metal fans in Europe are very intense and definitely in Germany. So it's nothing but, you know, positive vibes to say, you know, to, to say the least, you know, mm. I mean, it was, it's definitely, uh, you know, they're very receptive. Everywhere we go, you know, we, we've played, it's been an outstanding response, you know, whether it be, you know, Europe or even America, America has been great to us too, you know? So it's, uh, it's a real thing. We played, we played Wacken, 80,000 people singing all we are, you know, 80,000 people singing forever, the, the middle of chant part with her. I mean, that's just like, the hair in the back, you, you start looking like, you know, the hair in the back of your neck starts going up. You can't. Anybody, anybody who's not affected by that is, you know, dead. You know? Tommy, do, so you get, great. do you get a chance when you're out vacking to hang around and see any of the other bands? Because, like, for a metal fan, that is probably the festival. Like, that festival sells out every year before they even announce oh, yeah. who's, on the, who's on the bill. Yeah, we were on it again this year. It just got canceled. Before. The mini whacking at Bullhead got canceled because of COVID and all that. Yeah. But your question is, do I get to see other bands or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like, you know, we've toured, we did some shows like with Ghost and I got to catch, you know, some of the, the some of Ghost show. Like, you know, we had the time to see, like, the, if the bus wasn't leaving or we weren't running back to the hotel, you know, you know, I'll, I'll try to catch, you know, any, any of the shows I'm interested in. But sometimes, obviously, you know, you got, you know, you got to split right away or you're going backstage and, you know, by the time you're drying off or, you know, meeting anybody you need to meet, you know, the other band's halfway through, almost done with their set sometimes. Yeah. You know, so it really comes down to availability. But I always try to catch wherever I can. I mean, I, I caught Ghost Show, and we played with them in Colmar, France, and we played with them at Grass Pop. And, uh, you know, and uh, that, that was pretty cool, you know, seeing some of their stuff that I like Ghost. Mm. But uh, I think one of the bands I got to see that, you know, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure I'm blank. Oh, well, I got to see some of Priest's show. We played at Bloodstock. 
you know, and then uh, I'm sure there's some other bands. I have to sit and just rack my brain, you know, some of the places we've been, the bands we've seen, but it's always been cool. It's always a nice vibe. There's a lot of good energy, you know. You know, Dora has a great team. Dora has a great team behind a great crew, great management. And it's always, uh, you know, it's, all, it's always, you know, they're all up for having as much fun as we can as long as we can just, you know, keep keep the business flowing because obviously we're there to work. So it's, Yeah, yeah. I've only got one or two questions for Leave You Go, Tommy. Um, no, I don't mind. The, the band that played on Triumph and Agony other than Doro, do you still keep in touch with any of them? Um, let's see. Um, I haven't really... Uh, well, Tommy Henderson, I'm, I'm still good friends with him. He's playing with Alice Cooper now. You know, so I, yeah. I, I talk to... I stay in touch with him every now and then. I, you know, I, I saw him when he came through doing all the Motley, Alice, uh, Motley and um, Alice Cooper tour last time. Uh, Michael, I haven't heard from him in a dog's age. I think Nico, I never heard from him again. I don't know anything about him. I heard somebody might have had a heart attack, possibly. I'm not even sure. And uh, of course, Doro, I'm in touch with. So, as far as the guys pictured on the album, you know, I haven't. Uh, I guess that's pretty much the status quo at the moment for that. You know. Okay. And w- what's going to happen moving forward now, Tommy? Do you think with Doro, is it a wait and see thing with you, or? Yeah, up, up and away, my beautiful fucking balloon. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> 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 Actually, that was my mother's favorite song. Growing up, my mother was always blasting over her husband. Sky's the limit, motherfucker. You questioning me? You questioning me? I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you because I know you. Uh, cause you're a good guy. I remember <laughs> I got your friend hooked up to get that album signed the you, day we played Boston. You remember that, the do you? Fire alarm went off. Do you remember that? that Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, he, that was my mission in life to find that fucking guy. I know. And he, <laughs> Stephen, my friend, I, even called me right, and he yeah, said he looked after he, he looked after you, and I'm like, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I came looking at him. I, it was all my. I said, we got to find this guy, this that, and I saw him. And then, as you know, my, my cousin Jay lives in Boston too. And that show somehow, right in the middle of all we are, this is in Boston, playing with Metal Church. Somebody pulled the fire alarm. So we're we're literally we're about doing the final crescendo of all we are. That's it. Power's off. House lights on, and they're escorting us out to the front. I got people saying, "Hey, can we get an autograph?" I go, "I go, well, the fire alarm going on. Can we not burn down and get out?" You know, and I go, "Sorry, take something for anybody, but I'm like, you got to kind of get out of the building. Might be on fire." You know? and, uh, <laughs> but then I said, "Oh, now I'm never gonna find your fucking friend." You know, they hate this fire trucks, madness, chaos, and so I go to my bus, and there's your guy. I go, "I go, you're the guy." I go, "Don't move." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I got him sussed out with that. Uh, I got that sussed out. But I remember that. No, no. I remember he, he was a cool dude. And I know you. you know, I remember I talked to him a couple of times. I was like, I just sweat, man. Yeah. And I think you had a question there somewhere. I don't think I answered it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> next thing for Doro and us. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than up, up, and away in the fucking balloon, as they said. Uh, I, well, I guess, obviously, you know, the. I mean, I, I you know, we're going to do some dates, I guess, supporting Triumph Live. She's still doing some dates in Europe now. And she has some, you know, touring stuff and all that. But, you know, with all the COVID madness and all that. You know, we're trying to gear up as to when I would go off of stuff. And I'm still, you know, waiting here on management and some of that stuff. Because some shows are still canceling, believe it or not. And then playing England's a fucking nightmare with the Brexit stuff and the, oh, yeah. the COVID restrictions in the form. So yeah. I know she's got a, a, a fresh batch of hell with that going on. And that's hard enough to just get the guys in Europe there trying to bring some of America. Because they have some Michael Schenker dates, which, you know, I'd love to be jamming on any of this. But, of course, the Triumph and Agony live just came out. So that's going to sprout legs now. And then I know 2022... There's, you know, uh, talk of, uh, you know, festivals. I know I've already seen book, you know, there's a whole bunch of festivals booked. There's other dates being announced. And then there's all talk about U.S. stuff. And, of course, you know, the cruises will start popping up. We'll see which one of those we rock on. So I imagine promotion on that. And, of course, I know she's talking about another studio record, which, you know, I, you know, I definitely, you know, envision being involved in that in some capacity. So just pretty much, you know, just, you know, 
you know, promote Triumph and Agony Live all over the place. I mean, that thing is out in like DVD, CD, Blu-ray, figurine, cassette, vinyl, five yeah. foot five tall. I mean, I mean, it's 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 the full, it's the full deal. I mean, that's the way to do it. Go lodge your home, Tommy. Like, you know, this, I'm surprised it's not but, on. I'm surprised it's not on air track. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's yeah, on everything cool. else. <laughs> yeah, I must confess that predates me, but yes, that would be cool. But uh, no, I mean, I, I love the fact. And then there's like patches and buttons. There's a documentary yeah. there on it, and uh, you know, it's just a. Uh, that's the she's you know because Doro is a vinyl collector herself. Doro's a a fan of the product, and you know, she's very in touch with the fans. She loves her fans, and you know, I I I would have done it the exact same way. I mean, if you have the ability to do it, you know, she put it on her label, which of course has you know the major distro and all that. That that's a great gift to the fans. So this album. You know, is, is a you know it's, it's iconic to the fans, which which I'm I'm humbled by and glad. You know, mm. it's so big and the album has meant so much to these people and to the fans. And you know, to put it out and finally put up the live record in this fashion is just you know just awesome. You know, I'm very uh very excited to see what else happens from that. And you know, and you know, I got you know a lot of good, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good ideas for the future. It looks looks pretty. Looks future looks bright. I guess I got to wear shades. Yeah. So so Tommy. <laughs> Where where can people get in touch with you on 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 the web, Facebook, Twitter, oh, and all that? Me, yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tommy Bowen. Anything Facebook or Instagram is Tommy Bowen official. It's B O L A N official, or just TommyBowen dot com, which I need to update. And then that goes to a whole bunch of other links. But pretty much Tommy Bowen official. And of course, anything pertaining to Doro, you can just find on you know Doro's site. But me personally, you know, there's a, if you want to see me work myself, mad and that, it's on those sites there. Okay. Tommy, it's been a pleasure again. Yeah, Richie. Hey, great talking to you, buddy. Hopefully, thanks for putting up with all my comedy. That's all right. <laughs> and the next time you're around my area, I will get to say hello to you. Yeah, I thought you didn't get to see the show last time. Yeah. I didn't. No, absolutely, dude. You're, you're, you're on the list. You made the list. Yeah, Francis. Yeah. You're all right, Tommy. Right. <laughs> I will have a good rest of the night. All right, man. You take care, Richie. I'll yeah, talk. take care. All right. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Big thanks to, once again to Tommy Bowen. Always great to have him on the show. Definitely tell the guys in New Yorker and, and love the stories, humor, all that good stuff. And uh, again, thanks, Tommy. Appreciate you taking so much time. So if you guys, again, you're interested in picking up a copy of Triumph and Agony Live, and why the hell wouldn't you? Well, you can get it just about everywhere. You can get it up on Amazon, a couple different versions. You can head up to uh, doro.merchnow.com and pick up a couple of the versions up there. Hey, while you're up there, there's also a Morley Triumph and Agony Warlock Wah pedal. If you're looking for a Morley Wah, they've got one up there, and they've even got a couple of Warlock guitars up there as well. And I got to tell you, I always love the Morley Waz growing up. They're just like these giant hunks of steel. And this one's very cool with the whole graphic from Triumph and Agony on it. But anyways, I digress as gear. I just get sucked into gear. But anyways, uh, yeah, again, you know, like I said, up at doro.merchnow.com. You can get stuff up at Amazon. You can get the stuff over at Napalm Records. You can go to, of course, Nuclear Blast. Just look that up, Triumph and Agony Live. All the different versions are there. Get your Blu-ray, get your CD, get your vinyl, get your cassette. And uh, like Richie joked, I'm surprised he didn't do an A-track, right? But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! is insignificant.
still here? It's over. Go home.